series we're in, of course, is myths that lead to misbelief. And uh, I'm talking with you again today about the magnificent book of God. Now, the series, this whole series, and we'll, there are a number of messages that I'll be bringing to you, are about cultural and religious myths that have almost been accepted as truths. In many cases, they have. And they may even sound good out there. You may hear some of these myths, and they sound uh, good, at least to the culture, but they have disastrous consequences for our personal and spiritual well-being. And that's why we need to understand what is the truth and what is a myth. Now, two weeks ago, I shared the first part of this message, and today I want to conclude uh, the, 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 uh, the message that we began at that time. Now, here's the myth, and it should be on the outline in your worship folder. The myth is this, that the Bible is just one of many religious books full of stories and myths, but irrelevant to most of modern life. Now, it may be phrased in uh, uh, different ways in the culture we live in, but by and large, that's the kind of myth that we often hear propagated about the Bible. It's just not reliable, and there's a reason for that, as I'll talk about in just a moment. But essentially, it is that, well, it's just one of many religious books. There are lots of religious books out there, and uh, they, were, they served their purpose in an ancient time, but they're not relevant in modern life. R.T. Kendall, one of my favorite writers, quotes a reformer, the reformer Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Reformation. And uh, he quotes him when Luther said this, if I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition every portion of truth uh, of God except precisely that little place which the world and the devil are at the moment attacking, I'm not really confessing Christ no matter how boldly I may be professing Christianity. You see, where the battle rages, the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And then Kendall goes on to add, our very faith in God is at stake. Either the Bible is true or it isn't. And then he quotes an incident that happened in a British court regarding a transgender case that was handed down earlier, uh, I guess, um, in the last uh, year. And uh, here was the verdict. Uh, belief in the Bible, particularly with regard to humankind being created male and female, is incompatible with human dignity. In other words, you understand what the court was ruling? The court was ruling that the Bible is outdated. The court was, in essence, saying if Scripture is true, you can't live any way you want to. And so the court took the position to deny the veracity of Scripture on the absurd basis that it deprives humans of their dignity. So if you believe the Bible, then you're stripping dignity from humanity. That's what the court argued. Um, or put another way, undermining the Bible is an act of compassion, the court was ruling. It's an act of compassion and care for those who live, frankly, in defiance of the Bible. So what you have to do is you have to vitiate the message of the Bible. You have to undermine the message of the Bible. Otherwise, you have to adjust the way you live. And removing the message of the Scripture will allow a culture, a nation, and an individual to find justification to live however they wish to, without any kinds of boundaries. That's why the Bible is so important to us, and that's why we have to understand the truth versus the ideas and the myths that our culture often portrays about it. It reminds me, the age we're living in reminds me of the age of God's people in Judges chapter 21. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. 
You see, all of us have to have some boundaries. We have to have parameters. And those parameters have to uh, uh, transcend our opinions. Because if you have a lot of opinions, and by the way, someone has said, if you have two Baptists gathered together, you'll have three opinions. That may be true. But we have to have more than just the opinions of humanity. Uh, see, we have to have a transcendent authority that sets the boundaries. And that transcendent authority is God. And he set the boundaries when he delivered to us his holy word. That's why the scripture is important. And understanding the scripture is, is not just like any other kind of religious book. And with that as background, then I want to read our text, if you're physically able to do so, stand with me, and then I'm going to try to preach real fast because I used a bunch of my time up. In uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, Paul writes to Timothy, this young pastor, he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, just pause for just a second on that verse. This is the context in which he is telling him to stick with the scripture. In other words, there is a connection between suffering and even persecution for those who hold to the fidelity of the Scripture. He says, all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, verse 13, while evil people and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is all still in the context of the, the importance of Scripture. But as for you, as for you, because this is what's going to happen in the cultures, what he's just said, verses 12 and 13. This is going to be the nature of the culture. Now look at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned, which is the Scriptures, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. And by the way, you know who he learned it from? He learned it from his mother and his grandmother, the Bible tells us. Uh, and then verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, uh, uh, equipped for every good work. Now, Father, thank you for this word, the living word. It's your word. It's not our word. Speak to us from this word, Father, this morning. Transform our hearts and minds and our souls, Father. Cause us to live, uh, Father, by the authority of your word uh, and not by the myths of the age. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. And you can be seated. So I said last week, the very clear point that Paul is making in these verses uh, in, in the Bible is, is that the scriptures originate with God. And understanding that God is the author is what distinguishes the Bible from all other writings. And that's why through the ages, people have done their very best to attack the scripture and to just try desperately to disprove its message because they understand and we have to understand why this myth is perpetuated out there is that because um, if you acknowledge God's authorship, it means you acknowledge that he has the authority to set the rules for life. And that means that that's a game changer for how a culture lives. Now, I just quickly review, it's on your, it's on your outline there last, uh, or two weeks ago, actually, we talked about the inspiration of God's Word. And we talked about, uh, one, its historical uh, validation. We talked about the chronological validation. We talked about the scientific validation, the practical validation, all of those we talked about in that previous message. Now, if you didn't get a chance to hear that, I would urge you to go online, go to our website, pull it up, uh, either as a video or as a podcast, and listen to that message and take that in. 
But here's the second thing, what I want to talk with you about this morning, two, two more things, and that is not just the inspiration of God's Word. I want to talk to you about the application of God's Word. We see that expressed in verse 15 and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred scriptures that were, what, able to make you wise to salvation. The most powerful thing that you and I can do with scripture is obey it. Amen. It's the most powerful thing. It's what causes a living word to become living in our lives. In fact, the goal of knowing what the Bible says is not so you can increase your information. The goal in knowing the Bible and, and understanding the scriptures is so that the Bible doesn't just increase your information, but it brings about your own personal spiritual transformation. That's why we are to spend time in it. And that only happens when you become uh, a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word. Uh, eminent theologian J.I. Packer uh, once uh, wrote these words. He said, if I were the devil, if I were the devil, one of my first aims would be, listen to this, would be to stop folk from digging into the Bible. I would do all I could to surround it with the spiritual equiv uh, equivalent of pits and thorns and hedges and, and man traps to frighten people off. Did you get that? He said, if I'm the devil, what would I do? He said, the number one thing I would do was try to prevent people from digging into the, the scriptures, their Bibles. And he said, I'd surround it. I'd make it dangerous. And you know, in, there are some respects in our culture today, if you talk much about the Bible in certain places, workplaces or uh, educational environments, or uh, even in, in certain social settings, uh, it is, uh, you are considered a pariah uh, for doing that. And, uh, and that's exactly what he's saying. The devil wants to create this stigma that, uh, that being a man or a woman of the Word of God is a, uh, a scarlet letter, if you will. Now, again, those who propagate the myth that the Bible is outdated and irrelevant have, have actually missed the enduring legacy of Scripture. I talk about that in the first message. Go uh, back and get it. But think about this for just a second. The Word of God is the only thing that we have that has stood the test of the ages. Do you know that? It's the only thing we have that stood the test of the ages. Science has changed. Did y'all know that? Science has changed. Science has changed. Sociology has changed. History has changed. Technology has changed. Therapies and treatments change. Kingdoms have come and gone. Empires have been built and crumbled. But the Bible has outlived them all. And it hasn't changed a bit. That doesn't make it irrelevant as culture wants to tell us the scripture is irrelevant. Listen, that doesn't make it irrelevant. That makes it most relevant. See, haven't you noticed that the things that are irrelevant are the things that don't last? That's why we don't see leisure suits anymore. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> uh, and, and that's why we don't use eight, track, eight tracks. Y'all remember eight tracks? How many of you remember eight tracks in this building? We don't use those, you know, they were good in their time, but they're irrelevant now. And that's why we don't cook on a wood-burning stove. My grandfather on my father's side had a wood-burning stove. I remember going to visit and he still used a wood-burning stove. I thought that was so odd and so strange. But listen, you can use them, but they're not relevant. Things that aren't relevant fade away. Things that are relevant span the age. That's why the Bible is relevant. It stands to reason that the thing that has weathered the fickleness of the ages and hasn't changed is not irrelevant, but just the opposite. It is the most relevant thing that we have. And because it is relevant, 
It does two things that are essential for us, all right? On your outline, get these. Number one, it deters deception. It deters deception. Notice verse 13 where he says, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. What is Paul doing? He is reminding Timothy that imposters will seek to deceive and confuse God's people. And sometimes they do that because they themselves have bought into the cultural myths. And so they try to deceive. And he said, it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. It was going to get worse then. And listen, dear friend, it will get worse in the age that you and I are living in unless there is a move of God, unlike anything we've seen since one of the great awakenings. It's going to get worse. And that's what, uh, that's what Paul is saying. So, and, and so that's why verse 14 is important. So you continue. What he's saying is deception is going to increase. Imposters are going to increase. And they're going to try to deceive the, uh, the very ideas of God among the people of God. Think about that. He's writing to this pastor of a church, and he's saying, you continue in the word because these imposters will try to get their message into the church. The deceivers will try to get their message into those. And he says, so you continue in what you've learned and what you've always known and what you've held to. The good old gospel ship. That's what he's saying. Hold on to it. That's why uh, in the letter of Jude, it says, contend for the faith once and all delivered to the saints. Once and for all, delivered to the saints. Not something that is adaptable. You know, we hear a lot today in, in government about what, uh, what kind of, uh, uh, what is your view of the Constitution? There are what we call strict constitutionalists who say this is what the, uh, the writers intended when they wrote the Constitution. By the way, that's what I am. And then there are those who are living constitutionalists. They say this, they say that the, the Constitution is a living document, not like the Word of God, but they say it has to be adapted to the age. In other words, the Constitution doesn't determine the, the parameters for the age, but the age determines how to interpret the Constitution. So it's a backwards kind of look, and we're hearing a lot about that and have for really for about 20 years now. But at any rate, so Paul is saying, hold on to what, what was delivered to you, what you learned, the sacred scriptures and the right. Hold on to that. Don't give that up no matter what comes. Now, how will you keep from being deceived? That's the thing. And he talks about that or he gives us some insight, I think. And that's important because, because there's a lot of feel-good faith out there, isn't there? Now, I'm not averse to feeling good about my faith. But what we have to be careful is not to confuse feel-good faith with sound and solid truth. And our fallen nature and our, our corrupted minds are prone by their fallen nature to believe lies. Did you know that? Do you know you'll believe a lie far faster than you'll believe truth? Let somebody speak something about another person that is not, uh, uh, not so affirming. And you know what? Your mind will start going... Well, I bet that is kind of, that's probably true. Instead of saying, I don't believe it, I refuse it, your mind is bent the wrong way. And that's because of the fallenness of our sinful nature. I've told you many times before, nobody has to tell me how to sin. Nobody has to coach me on that. Nobody has to, to help me. I can do it on the backstroke. Can you? Have you ever noticed that? Nobody has to say, uh, 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 I need to te teach you how to sin. But we do have to be taught 
how to live righteously, don't we? Because of our nature. Well, our, our fallen nature and our minds are corrupted and they, they, they tend to believe lies. So the Word of God is our source book for truth. So when we hear the lies of the culture, we have to go back to what we have learned and what we have known and say, now what does God say about that? How do I filter that through uh, the Scripture? It is our filter. It, it keeps us grounded. It keeps us from adopting self-centered pseudo-religious belief systems. Your faith should be formed and cultivated by the Scriptures, not by your perceptions, not by your desires, and not by the opinions of others or by intellectual arrogance. Well, this is what I believe. Well, that's good. Is what you believe consistent with what God has expressed? Actor Sir Ian McClellan, who played, some of you know the Lord of the Rings um, movie series. He played Gandalf in that series. He's an atheist. And he said this. And this is a quote. I, I didn't make this. This is a quote. He said, whenever I stay at a hotel, I always check to see if they have a Gideon Bible. And if they do, I tear out a page. I turn to Leviticus 18.22, and I rip out that page, which is directed against homosexuals. I think by now, I must have ripped out a few hundred pages. Listen to me. You can rip out the words of God from the book. You can deny the words of God. But in the end, it's still the word of God revealing the truth of God. No matter what you do with it, it doesn't change the validity of the message. Now you say, why would anyone try and deceive a person about the Bible? Well, simply put, because if they accept it as it is, they have to change their life or abide by it or just outright reject it. So what many people do is just seek to undermine it, undermine its authority and its veracity so they can feel better about their desire to live contrary to the Scripture. And there's so many concocted beliefs. How do you keep from being deceived? Well, the answer is you go back to the source book. You go back to the source book, the source book. And that's why Paul told him again in verse 14, uh, continue in what you have learned. The Bible deters deception because it is a filter. It's the only book whose teaching didn't originate in the minds of the creation. So that makes the Bible highly relevant. It brings God's perspective on what is legitimate and what isn't legitimate. But here's another thing that it does for us. Number two, it not only uh, deters deception, it infers direction. Notice verse 15, it makes you wise for salvation. The scripture, the scripture brings wisdom that leads to salvation. It is life's uh, present and eternal roadmap. It is directional. And notice in verse 14 that I've referred to now a couple of times, notice the word continue. That's an active present, active. Continue, continue. It's not something you did. It's not something you do. It's something you, you continue to do. It is in the present tense. That's direction, continue in what you've learned. I said earlier that the Bible has stood the test of, of, of time, and that makes it that makes it not only relevant, but I want to tell you, it makes it practical too. 
as God's word, the Bible will direct you. It'll direct you in how to know God. That's what it will give you wisdom for salvation. It'll direct you in how to live. It'll direct you in and how to think. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It'll teach you how to deal with the problems of life. It will, it will show you how to face tragedy. It will, it will help you connect relationally. It will help you learn to love genuinely. It will point you in the way to live with purpose and meaning. It is a source book for direction. It's a super book for God's direction. It is the source of how to do life right. And that leads me to the last thing. And that's number three on your outline. That is the appropriation of God's word. The appropriation of God's word. He says again in verse 14, 15, continuing what you have learned. Verse uh, 15, from childhood, having been acquainted with the sacred writings the appropriation of God's Word. What does it mean to appropriate something? It means to, to make it personal, to make it yours. Appropriating is more than just being aware. It's more than just knowledge. It means I have made this mine. This is, this is personal. And that's what Paul's writing to Timothy. He's saying, listen, appropriate what you have learned from, from family and what you have learned from the scriptures, their investment. And by the way, his, grand, his mother and grandmother invested the scripture in him. Boy, there's a powerful message there for this culture. And the importance of parents putting the right stuff, the right stuff, the right stuff into their children. Our daughter is expecting, as you know, our second grandson will be here in April. They were just down here this past week, and we got to hang out with them before I left to go to my meeting, and um, it was so much fun, and our grandson is growing up, but you know what we do? We, we pray every time we can pray, and now he wants to pray, and we'll all gather around, and, and uh, he'll say, Pops pray, and so Pops will pray, and then we'll get ready to, to do something, and he'll say, Yaya, that's his grandmother, Yaya pray. And then he'll go, Dada pray, and then Mama pray, and then Bodie pray, and he'll pray. And, and was, we, we love that. We want that in him. And you know what? I'm already, I asked my daughter, I said, can I lay my hands, sweetheart, on the womb, and can I pray for the next little Salyers that's coming into the world? I did it for her. I did it for Bodie. It doesn't make it anything, but what we're, look, God in that womb, you cause that child to know who you are. Yes. Cause that child to know that you have brought him into being and that you have purpose and plans for life. And you know what? When he comes out of that womb, I'm going to be reading. I read scripture to Bodhi uh, on his first day. And I'm going to read scripture to this little guy. And his mom and dad read scripture to him. And his yaya reads scripture to him. We read the word. Why? Because we know the living word inside of them can do far more than anything outside of them. And so uh, that had been invested in, in, um, in Timothy, uh, the word of God. And so he says, continue in that. Continue in the word. Um, and and it, you, some translations use the word abide. It's the same word used in John 15 where Jesus says, abide in me. Personalize, appropriate, abide in me. This is relational. It's the idea of approaching, uh, uh, appropriating uh, these things of the scripture into their life, making it part of your spiritual DNA. Martin Luther, the reformer, uh, the Protestant reformer said, the Bible is alive. 
It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. It lays hold of me. And whatever you feed your soul will determine your spiritual health. Whatever you feed your soul with is going to determine. So if you feed your soul with myths, that's going to shape you. If you feed your soul with the truth of God, that's what's going to shape you. Whatever you feed yourself, you nourish your soul with cultural junk food. And the philosophies of the age, it's only a matter of time, listen, until you develop spiritual coronary disease. You, you following me? If you feed your soul with spiritual junk food and philosophies of the ages, it is only a matter of time until you experience a spiritual coronary kind of disease. If you clog your arteries, uh, uh, spiritual arteries with, with the wisdom of the world and you restrict the cleansing power of the Word of God in your life, you're going to have at some point in time a spiritual coronary. So let me close by giving you these three things that will appropriate, that'll help you practically appropriate. How do I get it in me? How do I get it in me? Okay, three things. The first is meditation. You need meditation. We don't have time to uh, go there and spend time in it, but you note that I've listed Psalms 1. You ought to read uh, the whole psalm. It's a, one of my favorites in all of the Scripture. But Psalms 1, verses 2 and 3, say this, But his delight, the man uh, or woman of God, is in the law of the Lord. And it, 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 on his law, that is God's word, he meditates day and night. And he, it, look at this, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in uh, its season and its leaf does not wither. And in all that he does, he prospers. Amen. He's talking there about meditation, meditating on the, the law, the scriptures of God, uh, mulling it over and over in your heart and in your mind. Uh, meditating on the word of God means focusing on uh, 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 the passages of scripture that you, that you read so that you can see how the truth of that passage fits into your life, into your circumstances and your decisions and by the way, did you hear the benefits? He said it'd be like a tree planted by the stream. And, and he says, and it bears fruit in its season, but its leaf doesn't wither. You know, there are a lot of trees, if the rain is not coming, they wither. But a, but a tree that's planted by the stream, did you know even if the riverbed becomes dry, the tree has, still has life by the riverbed? You know why? Because its roots go way down. And way down there is still water. And its roots go down. And that's what he's saying, even when it's dry all around you, even when the circumstances don't bode for, uh, uh, for life and health, what he's saying is, but because you are, uh, uh, are anchored in the truth, guess what? You're meditating on that truth. It becomes a source of spiritual nourishment to you, even when everything around you may be dry. And then he says, and in whatever he does, he prospers. That's a pretty good benefit. Meditating is more than reading. It is a way that I bring my mind in line with God's will. And, and that's important because our lives are, are shaped by our thoughts, aren't they? It's why Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's why Paul says that, that we have the mind of Christ. Uh, your mind is so powerful. I preached a message a few weeks ago on the battlefield of your mind. And so meditation is one of the ways that you secure the battlefield. You align your mind with the truth of God's will. But here's the second thing you need. So that's meditation. The second thing, you want to appropriate God's word? The second thing you need is memorization. 
Memorization. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, Scripture hidden uh, in our hearts acts as a barrier to temptation. It is a motivator for us to obey God because we know what God wants. We've stored it inside. It becomes this filter of, remember I said a minute ago, you need to filter the ideas and the philosophies of the age. You need to filter. How do you filter them? The word memorized becomes a filter. You don't always have quick access to your Bible, but listen, what you've hidden in here is always accessible. And it'll come to life many times when we don't have quick access to our Bible. Have, you've had that happen before, haven't you? You know, where you, 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 all of a sudden a verse comes to mind. You may not even be able to say, well, that is Psalms 119. You may not even be able to point the reference, but the word comes alive to you. How many of you have had that happen? And you go, wow, I didn't even know I knew that. You know why I did? Because the author lives inside of you, number one. And number two, he takes his word and he brings it up, and you didn't even know it was there. But he knows it, and you've been, uh, you've been studying it, spending time, and meditating on it, and then memorizing it. I recently read a book entitled Imprisoned with Isis. And the author told how early on he was not allowed to have a Bible, but he tells about even though he didn't have a Bible, over time... Scriptures began to come back to him. Scriptures began to come back to him. He didn't even realize he had, he had hidden those in his heart, but they began, he would write them down. And so he had these scriptures that he had memorized earlier in his life. Don't underestimate how much gets inside you by reading and memorizing a book. People say it to me all the time. They say, well, I'm just not, I can't memorize things. Don't ever believe that about yourself. The mind is a magnificent thing. And you stay in the Word. You meditate on the Word. You practice memory. And you say, well, I can memorize it, and I'll have it for this week. Next week, I'll have forgotten it. That's called age. No, I, I don't know about that. But look, you may think you did, but it goes in there. Do you know the, the uh, uh, scientists tell us that everything that ever has gone into your mind is there? Did you know that? Everything. That's good and bad. Hello? But the Spirit of God can then recall it, right? And so memorize the Word. Take some. I have, I have a little verse card thing hanging over my, at my study where I can just look up at every once in a while and look up at and look up at. Memorize. Hide it there. I, and God will bring it to you in the time you need it the most. Here's the last thing, and I close with this. You, so meditation, number one, right? If you're going to appropriate the Word, you need to practice meditation. Uh, on the Scripture, number two, um, memorization. Work on Take a verse. There are memorization kits out there. We used to have some. We used to make them available. We may still have some. And then last, you need manifestation. James 1, 22 says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. And by the way, he, he makes this point. If you're just a hearer of the word and you're not a practitioner of the word, if you haven't appropriated the word, you know what he's really saying? He says, deceiving your own self. If all you do is hear it, but you don't practice it, he said, you're deceiving yourself. You see, practicing, manifesting the word is where the rubber meets the road. I believe that one of the reasons that so many people in our world do not take the Bible seriously is not because of the skeptics or atheists. I believe one of the reasons that many people don't take the Bible seriously is because there are many uh, uh, who claim to know Jesus 
and claim to know the Bible, but they're simply not manifesting what they know. And they're not living their lives in accord to the instructions of the Scriptures, and others see that, know that they confess to know it, and may have even heard them spout it, but don't see them living it, and so they don't take the Scriptures serious because it hasn't changed our lives. And by the way, too many believers are just kind of getting by spiritually. They're just kind of barely hanging in there. Why is it? I believe the biggest reason is because they're not nourishing their soul with the Word of God. They're nourishing their minds with a lot of garbage and junk out there in the world, and they're listening to all the wrong things, and they're starting to believe some of the junk and the myths, and consequently, they're just hanging on spiritually. If you're going to develop your life, if you're going to develop your soul, if you're going to have, uh, if you're going to have a healthy uh, spiritual state of existence, guess what? You're going to have to get into the Word of God, and you're going to have to let the Word of God get into you. Let me illustrate it like this. Suppose uh, after we finish here, um, uh, we all decide to go over to the RFC, our Ridgecrest Fitness Center gym workout area over there. And uh, you, you go on ahead and you kind of get set up. You start working out. You're on a workout routine. You get on some of the machines that we have over there and you start uh, pumping weight and all that sort of thing and you're working out. But I'm late getting there. I mean, I, but I do finally arrive. I walk in. I have a, uh, my fold-up chair. I unfold it. And then I pull out from my gym bag, I pull out a bag of Doritos and a box of Krispy Kreme. And you can see me doing that, can't you? <laughs> And I sit down while you're doing your workout. You're, you're doing your workout, and I fold my chair up and say, I'm going to watch your workout, and I eat my Doritos, and I eat my Krispy Kreme. And when I'm finished, uh, I get up, and I, I fold them up, put the trash back in my bag, fold up my chair, turn to you and say, okay, that was a great workout, wasn't it? See ya. Well, you know, I was all around the workout you can learn some things by watching somebody work out, but you can't get the benefit of workout by simply watching while you feed yourself with junk food. Dear friend, listen. There's some great benefits from listening to the Word of God. There are some great benefits from listening to the Word of God. But for deep soul nourishment and development, you're going to have to get into God's Word on your own. It's not enough just to listen. You've got to get into it for yourself. Now, I love to read. You know that. I, I love to read. And I told someone recently in an interview, they said, what, you're a reader. And I said, I am. And they said, um, well, how do you do it? And I told them a little bit about it. I said, but I have a fear about reading. My fear is that I'm going to die before I get to read everything I want to read. I mean, it's just so much to read. I love to read. And, and I'm often asked, well, so what's your favorite book or books? What are they? It may be the one I'm reading at the moment, but you know what I mean? But and I say, really, I can't tell you which one is my favorite. It's hard to say. I've read so many books through the years, and so many books have influenced my life. But let me just say it this way, none has been more instrumental in transforming my life. And no book of all the books that I have read has been more powerful to me than the Holy Bible. 
And that's true since I was a teenage boy sitting in my bedroom with my Bible opened and a notebook when I didn't have a clue of what I was doing but reading, just writing things down. No book has influenced me like this book. I'm in the ministry today because of this book, because of its word and the call of God and how God used this book to confirm what he was doing in my life. I want to tell you something. There's no book more powerful for your daily life than God's magnificent book. After years in the ministry, now over 40-something years in ministry, and with a lot of conversations with a lot of people about their struggle with believing God and following God and practicing all that the Bible has to say, I've come to this conclusion. It is that their struggle is often because they tend to view the Bible through the lens of their circumstances and their own opinions rather than viewing their circumstances and opinions through the lens of Scripture. And so they struggle because they're trying to make the Bible work for their circumstances instead of seeing their circumstances through the Bible. And they struggle and they hang on. In many cases, they know that if they acknowledge the Bible is God's word, they are responsible to adjust their life accordingly. So don't believe the myth, you know, the myth that the Bible is just one of many religious books full of stories and myths, but ir irrelevant to most of modern life. Nothing, dear friend, nothing could be further from the truth. But if you're here or if you're watching by live stream today and the Bible just seems like a, another book to you, it is likely that you are not in a relationship with the author. If it just is another book to you, it is possible that you've never met the author. Because Hebrews says it is like a sword, it's sharp, and it divides the soul and the body and the spirit, it, it, and, and it convicts and it changes. Friend, this is the Word of God, written by the living Word of God. And if you don't know the author, it'll be hard to understand his Word. So I want to invite you, if you would, bow your head, close your eyes. No one, no one looking around at this moment, but maybe, and those of you who are joining us by live stream, this invitation is for you as well as those who are in our live audience. Maybe today you say, you know, it's just a book to me, but I want it to be alive. I want the author inside of me. I, I want to invite Jesus Christ who died for me and loves me so much to come into my life, forgive me of my sins. You can pray a prayer by live stream right where you are in your heart, in this building, in your heart. You can call out to him. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Remember, it's the scriptures that make you wise unto salvation. Call upon him right now. Do this. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. I know who you are, but I don't know you personally. But I want to today. I want to give my life to you. I thank you. You love me so much. You died for my sins on the cross. I thank you that you've created me with purpose and design. And so right now, I invite you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. Be my Savior. Transform me here and now. 
give me a home with you in heaven one day. You may be in this place and you say, I've done that. I've trusted Christ before, but really what I, I, I've done is I've forgotten to let the Word be the filter of my life. And I've tried to make life fit the Word instead of letting my life be governed by the Word. And I just want to say to the Lord today, Lord Jesus, help me to get into your Word so that your Word can get into me and direct me and shape me. Father, forgive me when I've listened to the lies of the world over the truth of your Word. So Father, refresh refresh your truth in my heart. Father, help me to meditate and Father, to memorize your truth and then to live it out, to manifest it so that I show, Father, that it is true, it does work and others see and are drawn to you. Thank you, Father, for our time. Thank you for your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you will look this way, and those of you who have joined us by live stream today, again, it's so good to have you tuned in. And uh, we look forward to that day when we're going to all regather in this place more and more, more and more coming back. And we still have room to spread out, and we're grateful for that. But you're invited back. We're practicing social distancing protocols. We have a mask-only section, and there are people that wear masks all over the building, but we have a section just for those who prefer masks. And So we've made provision for you. We'd love to see you back in this place. Now, maybe you prayed that prayer today, calling upon Jesus as your Savior. We'd love to know about that. You'll see on your screen, if you're watching us by live stream, a phone number, 334-384-8080. Text the word PASTOR, and we'll know that you called on the Lord Jesus today for salvation, and we'll take care of it from there. Don't you worry about it the word pastor to that number. You can do that in our live audience or you can use the tear-off panel you have. Drop it in the baskets with your prove the tithe envelope. Or maybe today you say, I'd like to join Ridgecrest. Every week people are joining us and we'd love to have you as a part of this family. One day, those of you who are watching say, I'm going to be back or I'll be, I'll be back in the, the live gathering, but I want Ridgecrest to be my family. Text this word, text the word join to that same number, 334-384-8080. Live audience, same for you, or again, indicated on the tear-off panel. Baptized, we baptized this morning. We've got four to be baptized next Sunday. We're continuing the work that God has given to us. Maybe you say, I need to be baptized. We'd schedule that with you. Just text that word, baptized. The operative number is 334-384-8080. Text any word and we'll figure it out. Just text it to us, and we'll take care of that uh, from there. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for tuning in to our broadcast today. Ridgecrest, thank you for how you honored my wife and I. We love you. Thank you. I, when I say it, when I write it in my column, I love being your pastor.